0: Hello. Welcome to Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. I'm Josh Witt. Off-season episode 20. Follow me on Instagram at UnreasonableDoubtWV. Twitter. I'm tweeting things now, and you can find those tweets on Twitter at I'm Josh Witt. Facebook. You know? You still on the Facebook? There's a podcast page on Facebook. Look for Unreasonable Doubt, hit the blue thumb, follow the podcast there. I'm very excited. I did an interview with somebody I don't know, but I'm familiar with his work. Mike Cazaza is joining the show. Mike knows a thing or two about WVU sports. I am coming from a fan perspective with limited knowledge. Mike is, this is what he does for a living. He writes about WVU sports. He wrote for the Charleston Daily Mail. He uh, did a West Virginia University sports blog for the Daily Mail that I followed very consistently, was a big fan. He now works for CBS Sports, sports 247sports.com is where you can find him. He's on Twitter, at Mike Kazaza. He's an author. He wrote a book called Waiting for the Fall a few years back, which talks about... Really the history of WVU football, but specifically focuses on the transition from Don Nealon to Rich Rodriguez to Dana Holgerson waiting for the fall. You get an idea as a WVU fan, What, like, hey, why is it called Unreasonable Doubt? Here's why it's called Unreasonable Doubt. Let me read a passage from Mike's introduction in his book. Quote, the ups are always followed by downs. With every success, there is a spooky feeling failure isn't far away. (laughs) West Virginia's inability to enjoy the things they love is an unspeakable burden in this state, where the people love their WVU football, but where the Mountaineers have so often provided a pipeline for pessimism. Unquote. I could have called this podcast a pipeline for pessimism. That's, I'll have to think about that. Mike was very gracious uh, with his time to jump on the podcast with me. Lots of great insights. Here's my interview with 247sports.com's Mike Kazaza. Hello. Hey, Mike. Welcome to Unreasonable Doubt. <laughs> it's going well, man. Thank you so much for your time this evening.
1: Oh, not a problem. Thank you for asking me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll get right into the questions. Uh, you are you are with twenty four seven Sports, CBS Sports wow. Network. Uh, people have read you in Charleston Daily Mail. What's the transition been like moving from the newspaper and the blog? Over to to CBS
1: Sports. It's been um, it's been different for me for sure. I was used to you know writing on deadlines and trying to you know cram words into time constraints sometimes, or even on days where I didn't have deadlines, there was only so much space. Um, and you know, you have maybe traditional or maybe more acceptable ideas in stories that you could run in the paper. You have a little bit more freedom and a lot more luxuries um, with accessories and things you can do online. So that's been fun. Um, right. There is no deadline. They don't print the internet, so that's <laughs> pretty fun. Uh, they don't have to have it, you know, on a truck to deliver to anybody in the morning. So that's been fun. Um, you know, I'm not, frankly, wasting hundreds and hundreds of dollars for the company and um, you know hours of my time and days of my life. And when you add it up, you're talking. And I've done this in my head years uh, away <laughs> on the road it's uh, right. you know, an airport an hotel, so it's kind of refreshing there because you, you do that stuff and there's my dog too uh, you do that stuff and you know it's kind of funny but you're at a game and it's nine o'clock at Kansas and you think that's fun um but you have five minutes to write a story and you need 30 to listen to the coach speak after the game and listen to players speak after the game then you need 30 to write um you're 55 minutes past deadline there and I don't Know what you're doing at that point, and that became <laughs> frustrating. It became frustrating for me after a while. I didn't think it was the best thing to be doing, and I'm pretty passionate, as you can tell, pretty um, opinionated about how businesses manage themselves in the media these days. And um, I don't think I have to tell anybody listening that you know it's, it's hard for newspapers. It's really unfortunate where I stand to see what's happening in the newspaper and the people uh, that I really liked and worked with at Charleston. Um, and some that the opposite is true as well <laughs> right <laughs> um, sure and and I feel for that, but I kind of hope they get things right, but for the time being I'm, i'm I'm in a pretty cool place that i I've, I've transitioned to nicely um it's It's kind of weird to be honest, they just stare at a blank screen and know I can write as much as I want. They kind of have really good leadership and management here which is for somebody who worked 10 years away from a newspaper and didn't have that, that's a little bit different for me. Um, So it's, it's been an adjustment. I'm, I'm autonomous still. Um, I still work from home. You just heard my dog. Right. Um, But but these people still kind of leave me a little bit and stuff like that. Um, It's just a different thing for me, but you know, I'm a a spoke in a wheel, which is, which is kind of fun to be honest with you.
0: Nice. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a recent new subscriber to 24 seven and I'm seeing some of the same stuff that you did. Uh, on the blog and at the newspaper, but like you said it, it 's it's, it's great that you have a little more flexibility uh, with the new gig so it 's great to see
1: I' glad you said that the blog was something I was really interested in, and way back this is like two thousand and eight, Jack Bagatik and I kind of you know knocked heads on this a little bit and we didn 't know what we had or how to do it and what to take away from newspaper time and uh, we We meshed pretty quickly on stuff, and we kind of realized that you know it was it was a thing, and people were reading it um, you know and, and like it became. You know not what did you do for the paper today? Did you write a story? Did you write so many words? It was well. What did you do on the blog? Because people would click on it and share it, and they get people talking, which should be the goal uh, for any media organization. So you know that that got going pretty quickly. I was always supported there. They were really invested in that. I wish they had sold ads on it at any time that I was there because that would have solved some problems. I think for different departments or different people, but um, <laughs> maybe one day that gets back up there. I'm kind of happy that people miss it, which is a terrible thing to say, but that makes me feel like that. You know, and I get this a lot. Um, it makes me feel like the people read it and they were involved. Uh, that was that was honestly, Josh, the hardest thing for me to do is that I mean, hundreds of people were reading that hourly and like a core of people, that didn't sound like a big number, but like from the very beginning to the very end, there were there were hundreds of people that stuck with that and were with it. And I, I hear from them still. Some of them followed me over, some of them didn't. There's no hard feelings there, but like one thing I get a lot is man, I miss it. And the one thing I'm getting a little bit more is that and this kind of looks familiar, which is exactly what you just said. Um, it's not under the umbrella of one big blog. It's on a website, but I'm doing largely the same things. I don't swear anything. anything, um, but like right. everything else, it's pretty much the same. And then again, when you have some liberties, and you have some luxuries trees you can use on the internet and you can go digital and you can have some fun and, and show as opposed to tell, um, you know, that's different, but that, that is kind of what I was doing. So uh, again, glad you said that because I'm starting to get that more and more time And I've been there for a little over a year
0: no the the highest praise is i miss you uh that's uh that's 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 proof that what you were doing is is what you what you felt so that's fantastic uh,
1: I appreciate it thank you
0: yeah no problem man uh so uh this is a basketball podcast I know football seasons uh right around the corner, but sure. the focus here is basketball, so I've got some basketball questions for you uh you've you've covered Bob huggins of course since he's he's been at morgantown uh He's loved in the state uh, has a, has an edge to him. What's it like covering Bob Huggins?
1: It's not like it was. Um, What I mean by that is this is his, oh man, 12th year coming up. Is that right?
0: 2008 was his first year or is it 07?
1: Yeah, this will be his 12th year coming up. So I've been here for all 12. So I've known him for 12 years. Um, You get to know anybody for 12 years and, you know, when I was traveling a lot, I was I was spending a lot of time with him and his players and things like that. Um, so, you know, I'd be sometimes the only person after a game in a hallway, win or lose. And, you know, some of those are, are heated or awkward conversations, not because of me, but because of what happened in a game. But you get to know people when sure. you figure out how to ask questions and, and, and things like that. Um You know, when, when he first got here, I was used to John Beeline. And John Beeline had – a cozy program that was on the way up, but it was very open and accessible. Um, you know, you could watch practices and you could call him on the phone and, and things like that. Uh, I was very comfortable with him. Again, my first day as a full-time newspaper writer was Beeline's first day of practice. Um, wow. So that was a heck of a beginning. And again, I was really the only person who was every day covering that team and I got to know them. And, um, you know, those those five seniors in 2006 and Beeline are some of the biggest influences on my my life, never mind my career. People I still keep in touch with are great. Um, and then it switches. And I was still young. And seeing that a coach can leave was odd to me. Uh, also learned that coaching searches suck, even though that one was fast. But, right. you know, then you get to meet Huggins, who is very much his own way. And not that he does not care about precedent or the past, but he is his own guy. He was not going to fit into the way things were done before. He was going to do what he'd always done before. And that was different. You know, things were more private. You couldn't call him on the phone as often. He was very busy. He was recruiting practices weren't open. So that took some adjusting. Um and then, you know, we we got to know each other in unusual terms, some some disagreements on things about, you know, there were some NCAA things that happened that were minor, like secondary stuff, but still had to be reported. And you know, maybe he didn't agree with it. But um I don't think he ever bit my head off and I was never out to get him. And, you know, you get, you're around them a lot and you get to know each other and you feel you have to ask questions, but you understand the right and wrong ways to ask them. And then the more, you know, it becomes easier. And then you you can get a cell phone number and you can call somebody and you can get answers from them for questions that are important. So, you know, that's, that's natural stuff. Um, But it's easier now than, than it was 12 years ago for sure. But I think we've got a pretty a good working relationship. I've never been at his house. Okay, he's never been in my, he's never been at my house either. I don't think that'll ever change. But like, if I see him somewhere, he says hello. I don't know if he sees me somewhere. I'll say hello. Just it's it's normal stuff. It's not adversarial, which I think maybe surprises a lot of people. And know I bump into people on the beat and they're like, "Boy, what's it like working with him?" I'm like, what do you think? And my answer is generally like, "Well, that's interesting, but that's the complete opposite because you see Huggins on the sideline." and you see him at press conferences, and you get an idea in your head. And it's not like that. He's um, he's, he's got a really low-spoken voice. He whispers a lot. He's hard to understand, so you kind of got to lean in. But he's very smart. He loves to tell stories. He loves the whole court. Um, he fills your notebook or your tape recorder. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty redeeming, actually. It's not like he's a bully in the room and he hates the media. Uh, but he's got a job to do, and he's going to protect his players and stand up for his program. That's going to mean sometimes that, you know, You're going to you're going to hear from him a little bit. But, you know, if if you can criticize him or his players, which is fair, um, probably fair that that he can criticize you in the way you do your job. And I think he and I have had an understanding about that for a while.
0: Awesome. Uh, Yeah. With Huggins, you always get like the two second pause of him thinking and gathering before he uh, gives an answer. And I appreciate that like I, I don't I, sometimes it's uh, it's it's gruff and and seems short, but I think he, he puts thought in all the questions he gets. Uh, yeah,
1: very thoughtful. That's a good way to put it. It's funny when you watch those recordings um, of his press conferences and he thinks you can tell who the rookies are the people who don't know him because they fill that pause. Like, do they mess up? oh, no, what am I no, doing? Did I ask the right question? Yeah, what I true, say? And, right. And you can tell that they're not familiar with him, what he is, but he's trying to say the right thing. I think more than not trying to say the wrong thing, what I mean by that is I think he knows what you want sometimes, and sure. he's, he's going to answer the way that he wants to, not necessarily the way that your question is aimed, which is a really good coach's prerogative, I would think. Sure,
0: yeah, and we know he's a smart guy, graduated with uh, very high WVU, so uh, there's no doubts on his, uh, intelligence. Um, so 2018, 19 season coming, uh, a lot of new faces in the program. Uh, what, and this is only an educated guess, but what would be your guess on who the starting five is going to be when they play Buffalo or shoot, not Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo, uh, in the Buffalo. first game in Morgantown in November.
1: I, I've thought about this, um, you and I traded questions before this and it was refreshing because I've been football, football, football for so long. Um, sure. So I looked at it and I sat down and I tried to figure out an answer to this question. And I really don't have one um, because <laughs> I don't, either, cause I don't why? well, cause I don't know. And that's a good thing. Um, I, don't, I don't think they have eight or nine all conference players or maybe even either eight or nine starters. Um, you know, they may not even have three or four starters for all we know. What I mean by that is like obvious picks, no but right. I also don't know what they're, best five is is it two guards and three forwards if it's three forwards I know are they are they threes and fours like two threes and a four is it a three and two fours um are they a three guard is it two point guards and a a shooting guard or is it a point guard and two shooting guards I don't know that yet I think the preseason is going to be really interesting and really illuminating Uh, I I think that with so many new people on the team I mean all the stuff about being able to enroll early and have these off-season workouts and things like that for development, that's great. And you see them playing pickup games together all the time in the practice facility. That's great. Totally different when you start practicing and playing games. Um, sure. So because of that, I think what he'll try to do is have veterans, if not in the starting lineup and on the floor as much as they want. I would think that there probably aren't too many locks for starting jobs, but I would think Beetle Bolden is probably one. Um, I would think just because he knows so much and he can run the offense and he's been a point guard, he's seen a lot of things. And, and I would think that, you know, a really tough guy, um, in Wes Harris, recent news, notwithstanding, um, who, who's, who's not going to get pushed around obviously. And Overhead. who is going, who's going to give you an edge and play some defense that he's going to be valuable too, because you guys, they may not buy into the things that Wes bought into and excelled at right away last season. So, you know, beyond that, you can make arguments about anybody. Um, and Kanate. Kanate's probably the third, right? If I'm, can... I'm, well, I was getting to that. Yeah, that's and the, you stole my thunder here. Um, oh, but sorry. Like, we've had this we've had this conversation about everything and about oh man, what's new, who's starting or whatever, and they maybe have an all American and uh, you know a lottery pick in a year that I know you get excited about when you think about them, but like I'm not sure that everybody thinks about them right away when you think about Press Virginia and. You know the recent lineage of players who've been there, who have been kind of guards and scorers and and outside-in players, um, and I think that's what's, flip, what's flipping things around right now. Is this might be a really good defensive team still, um, but it might score a little bit differently. It might score inside out a little bit. Um, there are some shooters that you can surround some of these forwards with. So um, I think it's going to be a lot of four around one. Where Kanata gets to do a lot of stuff. I'm not sure they build around him, but um you have all these conversations with the different directions they go and i find myself sometimes going oh yeah number 50 is probably going to be pretty good you might want to pencil them in
0: <laughs> absolutely and that's my concern mike for the upcoming season is wh- how west virginia and and huggins is going to use kanate offensively is it going to be a kanate driven offense and that gives me concerns uh as a fan because of the style and knowing um, that we, we've we been kind of outside in for a good while now. Uh, you have to go back to maybe Kalichla that we ran the offense yeah. from inside. So it wasn't Devin. our best time. So it, it'll be interesting to see how he does it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we forget Devin was a pretty good inside player, but I think you're right, too, that he didn't really – Catch entry passes and throw up hook shots or fadeaways. Either that was kind of Dennis's thing, but not really Devin's thing. So yeah, I mean, it might be that long if they had that traditional back of the basket guy. Not sure how much I want to see Canate, you know, triple threading, but I think he's got. I do think he's got shooting range and and can do that and really spread things out. And like this is what's kind of interesting to me about the idea of four round one, but you might also see kind of like five out stuff because I do think they have players who are going to be able to move and cut and. If they're all similarly sized, you know, if it's if it's Matthews and, for example, and um, Haley, for example, and Lamont West, you have three guys who are in that six five to six eight range, and if you put them around Kanate and let's just say a point guard if you're choosing out on the on the perimeter there, those three guys are cutting. They can switch and screen and do a whole bunch of stuff, and they're going to be good cutters, and they can get in there long they're good targets for a point guard or center. You know, you can get easy scores there. I think that'll be good. But another part is, too, that Kanata may get those inside touches because I think they're going to be a much better passing team because they have some dribblers and ball handlers and guys who can get inside. And it doesn't have to be a bounce pass on the block. It can be dribble drive, and then you just hand it off to the guy at the rim or you throw it up above the rim. And those are all things that Kanata has been able to finish before when he gets those passes, which I think he can get more often now. Yeah.
0: I'm I'm excited for it. We're we're a little over 70 days out. I know football is the focus in our state, but uh, I'm gearing towards November. Um, I'll these are rapid fire now. Um, I'll call it. I don't know what to call it. People say rapid fire, but uh, you'll get the gist. So you told me you're a you're into cooking. Uh, guests are coming over for a meal. What is your go-to meal? What what's your go-to? Uh, this is what I'm doing to show off my skills.
1: I bake pies, believe it or not, really Ooh. good with pies. But uh, I'm a grill guy, uh, which is probably not surprising. But like, I mean, a lot of guys are grill guys. But that's where I would go first. Uh, and I've always been uh, a connoisseur of ribs. But the dessert thing is the dessert thing. Believe it or not, is probably where I would wow people. I think.
0: Well, so I, that that leads me to believe that you make your own crust.
1: Yeah, uh, it depends. Key lime, sure, sure um you're probably going to get like graham crackers and things like that mixed up but like the flour and the kneading of the dough and everything that's all me on like an apple pie or a cherry pie but i don't know i don't know how to make the graham crackers i don't know how to make graham crackers
0: okay gotcha uh
1: i can crumble them though
0: right sure sure yeah you can figure it out um you used to travel a lot do you have any travel hacks anything of those years on the road that you picked up like this is a move that i use saves me time any travel hacks to share?
1: Yeah, never check a bag, for suckers. <laughs> <laughs> unless, you're going, unless you're going like two weeks. I mean, I've been gone for like nine or ten days and been in a carry-on because you know what's smaller than a like a large suitcase and what's cheaper than the $25 checking a bag is a small thing of Tide. Right. You can get that and you can do it. That's not a problem. You can wash your clothes somewhere. It's okay. Um, and if you've got a per diem <laughs> – let the, let the laundry people at the hotel do it. That's fine. Uh, get yourself in awards programs for rental cars and for um, hotels and for airlines. And then always try to juke the lines at the gate by, if you have like two flights in your boarding passes, always use the number that's lower for a boarding zone. So if you have two flights, right, going to Pittsburgh, going to, right. Pittsburgh to Charlotte, and Charlotte to Dallas, if you're zone five, on pittsburgh to charlotte but you're zone three on charlotte to, to dallas use the zone three one on pittsburgh to charlotte Ooh! and then they say oh no i gave you the wrong boarding pass but you've and already then they're going to look line. at. oh wow. well not bad but they've already wow. seen zone three they've already seen zone three so you're just going to give them the new the right boarding pass which is zone five they're not going to look at it because you're already zone three they got that in their head and then you're on 10 minutes before you would be normally
0: I just got lighthead. I'm glad I'm sitting down for this. That's an amazing hack that's that is fantastic that that you're is no- yes yes thank you um <laughs> I'm kind of shocked by that one that's a, that's I'm floored That's an amazing one. um you're a Liverpool fan. they made the Champions League final last season started off strong this year. Is this the most optimistic you've been as a Liverpool fan?
1: Uh, I know better than that, but probably, <laughs> probably from. I mean, like I was. They won a Champions League before, so and they were really good that year, and they had they were loaded. Um, right, right, right. The most optimistic I probably was. Um, they were number two in the league, in 2014, and they were gonna win the league. They were. They were the best team, but they were number two, and they were going places, and then. Stevie got the ball picked in the middle of the field against Chelsea, and they went down one nothing. And then Torres, who I hated as a Liverpool player, and I hated him as a Chelsea player, Oof. made a 2 nothing at the end of the game. Um, and they, they kind of fell down to a little, a little further away in the second in the division or in the, in the league. And then when they really had a chance to get back up and I believe, tie and make some noise on what was a, a pretty narrow goal differential. I want to say it was like 8 or 9. They were up four to nothing over crystal palace who was garbage and they lost five to four i believe or maybe it was four to three but at halftime i was like the talk was liverpool's gonna go crazy and try to get an eight nothing win and make up the goal and make up the goal differential and they ended up losing the match and then you know i think gerard retired the next year because he wasn't the same um you know they they had awful ownership and management things like that uh i mean so some bad management came through, but I kind of like who they have now Klopp's a bit of a character, but I do like the way he plays football ownership does spend. Um, and I've seen them play both their matches this year. And I'm pretty impressed by how skilled they are on offense. And I'm not as frightened by their back line, which is ordinarily how I feel when the ball's in that end.
0: Yeah, no, it's, they are, uh, if you're going to get in the premier league, uh Liverpool is is a team to to follow because of their style of play, their that It's fun to watch. So, mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah, I mean, you could watch you could watch for example any Mourinho team, and you know they're going to back the bus up in front of their right. box, and they'll, they'll win one nothing if they want to, and they'll take draws, um, and that's been everywhere he's been. It's where he's at now, and it's why he's souring his players and his fans. Um, Liverpool wants to, to boat race you, um, and it's kind of like fast break. Or, you know, think of it this way in football, like zero blitzing. Um, you might give up plays if they get over your head. Um, and Liverpool scoots up and cheats up sometimes. And, and they'll give up goals because they let their back line get overwhelmed. But they're attacking and they're, they're, they're blitzing the other team's defense. Yeah,
0: it's, it is. Yeah, the Mourinho for a beginner is not is not where to go. Uh, uh, two more questions. Again, I appreciate your time, Mike. Uh, my favorite uh, player for basketball WVU of all time is Cam Thurman. Do you have yeah. any Cam Thurman stories that you can share on this podcast?
1: I'm glad you qualify that. <laughs> uh, but, yes, I do. His freshman year, they played – his freshman year, I mean, everybody – he was a redshirt freshman, I believe, because he missed the first year with a dislocated knee, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. I think that's um, right. But his redshirt freshman year was Huggins' first year, and and everybody – was kind of on edge because they all – and, again, this goes with the the misperception of the Huggins that, you know, am I a Huggins guy? And these players didn't know that. They weren't recruited for him by sure um, – by him for sure. And, and again, like, Beeline was a nice kind of like – I wouldn't say soft around the edges, but finessed edges, let's say, and, and Huggins right. is a little bit different. And, you know, it was weird. No one knew what their future was, and they all felt, you know, a little bit isolated, a little bit, I think, worried about their future and how long it would last and, and they, they kind of struggled to get along between old and new um, and, and it was kind of funny to watch them come together but I can remember they played a tournament in the preseason down in Orlando and they had time away and you know free time to go do what you want mm-hmm. too late to go too late to go to an amusement park and Orlando's kind of isolated in spots you can't you can't go to like a restaurant or an arcade or a mall or anything like that so they're just hanging out outside and they can't find cam you know, where's cam where's cam and they they find him and he's in like these nice clothes, um which because they've been in a dinner i think maybe at the resort they're staying at these uh-huh. details aren't important this detail is he was catching little lizards little salamanders in a shoe box <laughs> and everybody thought holy cow you know this dude's weird what, what's up with that but they saw how much fun he was having and they all got in on it oh, and they were all like running around and chasing lizards in a box and they became like understanding of one another and, and all these people from different areas and different, you know, coaching staffs kind of got together and were like, Hey, and so bad after all, I like him. He's not weird. You know, and that was to everybody, not just Cam. Um, and and that was kind of how an outsider like Cam was from a small town in Ohio. It's not like a guy who's from Newark or Southern Virginia um, or a guy who'd been on Beeline's teams. And it was a little bit different, um, but that's how he got in everybody liked him. And then, he also learned to open up and be himself and like everybody else. And um, you know, the guy who would throw around Luke Herrangotti or Daryl Henderson or guys like that was was kind of born into the acceptance of his teammates in the program, chasing lizards around, uh, I guess, the backwaters <laughs> of Orlando. It's <laughs>
0: amazing. Oh my goodness! I mean, just got every bit of talent out of Thurman Huggins. Did it was, I mean, just amazing. He had his moments. It was he, he was I, my
1: favorite. I, I, Here's the truth. I saw him play in high school and he was, he was a guard. He was really good. Um, He was playing against, I mean, lesser competition for sure, but he was not a a power forward. He was not a guy who was going to be, you know, I forget how much he weighed, but I mean, a guy who was as big and as strong, he was strong as him. Um, But he was, he was limited after that because of his knee and it was never, it was never like probably perfect again after that. And, you know, he was not going to, he was going to be a cutting, moving, multi position guy in a B-line offense, right.
0: they didn't really have that in a
1: Huggins offense. You kind of had to be fleet if you were going to play in the backcourt, um, had to be able to switch and things like that. But, you know, he his, his games were different. Like, he would, he would save them every so often with some points or rebounds. I remember one game of Providence, maybe Huggins' first year, he was terrific off the bench and, and bailed him out. But I can also remember other games where, like, people congratulated him about executing a dribble handoff every time he touched the ball, which sounds like a small thing, but he was not supposed to lose it. He was supposed to facilitate, and if a pass wasn't a good idea, he wasn't going to risk it. He was going to keep the ball on his end, and he was going to hand it off and screen and move and just do what he had to do and People thought he was great at that and it's a small thing, but it was his role, which he accepted and became as you said you know a really popular and really valued part of the team
0: yeah, absolutely all right final question, very important question. Uh-huh. What is your etiquette in an elevator when you're with somebody else in the elevator? Do you, are you a stare at the, stare at the floors changing guy? Do you, do you hold the door? Uh, Do you make small talk? What do you do when you're in an elevator with another person?
1: I'm pretty friendly, believe it or not. Like I'm polite and I'll try to talk to people because you only have a couple seconds you think. Um, And then it's always weird because, what if the elevator stops and you've already right. set the precedent in the first 15 seconds that you're a jerk and you're not going to talk to that person. What if you're on that elevator? For, what if you're on that elevator for 20 minutes? Like, do you have to be that guy or all of a sudden do you be like the person who talks? And then the other person's like, well, this clown, it, he's only talking because we're stuck in this elevator. It wouldn't happen normally. So I'm, I'm always going to be one who probably initiates and talks. Um, but I'm not going to like, I'm not going to go too far. Like if you don't reciprocate, Fine. But understand if that elevator does break, I'm not talking to you
0: anymore after that. It's it's a it's a tight rope, man. It's really it's really difficult and I don't maneuver well in the in the elevator etiquette. So um I like I like your stance of set it set the tone early and then um and, and let the chips fall where they may. So I mean I I just struggle with the small talk part. It's it's a me problem. Uh all right, Mike, that's it, man. I really appreciate your time. You're on my dream guest list because I, I consider you the authority on news regarding WVU athletics. Um, and it's really a pleasure for you to uh, to join me and to take some time to uh, to join this podcast. So thank you, Mike Kazaza, for joining Unreasonable Doubt this evening.
1: Josh, those are great questions. And as long as you say nice things about me, I would be happy to come back and do this again.
0: <laughs> I got him, man. Thank you so
1: much. All right, man. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Big thanks again to Mike Kazaza for joining the show. Great insight on WVU basketball and other things. He had a Cam Thurman story that I loved. Follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Kazaza. Go to 247sports.com and look for his work. He's doing great things. And I'm going to do more of these. Tell me what you thought of that interview. On Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Because I'm going to talk to more people I don't know that are more informed and better at this than I am. Maybe it'll rub off. We'll see what happens. That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Listen on all the platforms. Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Shout out to the person listening to this on Pocket Casts. Cast box and more. Listen, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Leave a review, rate it five stars. Those are all nice things to do. Until next time, I'm Josh Witt. This has been Unreasonable Doubt, and WVU's basketball team for the 2018 19 season is zero and zero.